The first reading this morning is taken from the book of Psalms, number 113. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is taken from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the word of the Lord. So we're going to bring Ruth back in from her kitchen in Chichester, ready to preach for us. Uh, But before she does, let me lead in prayer. How we praise you, Lord God, that you are a God who speaks. You've spoken through creation. You've spoken through, supremely through Jesus. You speak through your word. And we pray a special blessing on Ruth. Anoint her with your spirit as she speaks to us and on us as we listen. And may the fact that this is on Zoom and not in the building be forgotten as we hear you speaking to each one of us today. Give us ears to listen and wills to obey. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jonathan. And thank you also to Lars and to Daniel and to anybody else who's involved in the technicalities of this morning who I can't see and haven't met yet. Thank you so much for everything that you've put into making this happen and for for all your brilliance. And really wonderful to hear that the song that's been written thank you for the prayers that you prayed Um, and also great to hear from Ellen and James that really practical insight into what people are doing 
James, I'd love to talk with you more about electric cars. I have one as well. And, you know, us electric car drivers, you always like to compare notes. I was fascinated with your 15,000 mile uh, kind of cutoff thing for for when it then does make sense from the broader life cycle perspective. Lots of things I would like to have asked you if I'd been there in person. And of course, that's the downside, isn't it, of me not actually being able to be with you and to be able to chat with you afterwards and take any questions and hear from you and so on. Um, but even so, I'm really pleased to be able to speak to you um, from however many miles away. And thank you again for inviting me in on this Sunday. I want to start by telling you about Orbisa. Orbisa is the mother of a large family in the Afar region in northeast Ethiopia. And climate change is having a devastating impact on her life and on the lives of others in her community. They used to expect rain for up to four months a year, but now it only falls in August and people don't have enough water to survive. It really is an issue of life and death. Orbisa has to walk 10 hours every day to collect water from a lake. And even that doesn't give her the water all of the drinking and the, the water needs that her and her family um, are needing. I want to tell you about Jessie, a grandmother from Malawi. Her husband, one of her sons and her daughter-in-law died of HIV and now she is struggling to provide for her remaining children and grandchildren. She lives in a village in Malawi that's close to a river and recently, over recent years, her house has been ruined twice by flooding. Her family is struggling with hunger because they depend on the maize that they grow, both to feed themselves as a family and also any extra then to sell, which gives them a livelihood. But as the, as the river floods and as the weather patterns change, crop after crop is failing. Orbisa and Jesse in Ethiopia and Malawi are both living in communities that we are working in as Tear Fund, working alongside with accompanying the local church communities there. In Orbisa's case, we're working to help supply uh, water, drinking water, we're working with the local churches there around boreholes and so on with Jessie and her community. We're working with them to help them improve their crops and their sustainable and how they farm, so around sustainable agriculture. But they are just two people in the midst of a huge environmental crisis that is impacting the lives of millions of people around the world. At Tear Fund, we hear every day how the climate crisis is devastating the lives of people living in poverty. We've been talking about climate now for about 30 years. And at that point, I wasn't working with Tear Fund, but I was supporting Tear Fund. 
and I can remember the letters page of the the of what's of Tear Times. I'm sure some of you are familiar with that. And um, we would have people writing in and saying, "Why is Tear Fund talking about climate? Uh, you're moving away from your core focus of responding to people living in poverty." Well, of course, we we know that we can't respond to people living in poverty without responding to the climate crisis. More frequent droughts and floods have meant that crops have been ruined, people are going hungry, people are losing their homes, children are missing out on education. In 2016, for the first time, we saw world hunger increase for the um, we saw world hunger increase for the first time in a decade with climate change being one of the key reasons for that. And I'm sure you're aware of the IPCC report that came out at the beginning of August, just confirming the crisis that we are living in and the terrible impacts that climate is having on people, it is now having on people living in poverty and will continue to do so. And we know that the climate crisis isn't only impacting people living in poverty, it's also impacting people generally and will increasingly do so. So we're now seeing the wildfires in Australia and, and Canada, the, uh, and California, the terrible heat wave, the heat dome that people were suffering in Canada, the floods of just a few months ago that killed hundreds of people in Western Europe. And in China, they are experiencing the worst floods in a thousand years. People all around the world are suffering the impacts of the climate crisis. And the wider environment is facing the crisis too due to our changing climate. A species far away from us here, the Komodo dragon, an incredible creature, if you've ever had the privilege to see one, just lives in a small, um, two small islands in the Indonesian archipelago. And the rising seas are increasingly reducing the habitat space and putting them at the risk of extinction right closer to home our beautiful puffin faces extinction because it depends on sand eels and our rising sea temperatures mean that the number of sand eels is decreasing in fact globally 28 percent of known wildlife and plant species are at risk of extinction are, are on the threatened list of extinction 28 percent can you get your heads around what that figure looks like. And the, the heat wave off the, off the western coast of Canada, it is thought killed a billion, a billion marine creatures. Absolute devastation being caused by the climate crisis. Um, and for someone like me, who's been speaking about these things for 25, getting on for 30 years, I used to talk about these things in terms of predictions. This isn't a prediction anymore. We are seeing what we were predicting decades ago. We are seeing it happen now. We are living in an age of the climate emergency. But what does this have to do with us as Christians? It's something we hear about in our news every day. It's a uh, 
secular issue that's being talked about all around the world, but what about us as Christians? Well, there's a lot that I could say in response to this, and I've written many books and could give a much longer talk than uh, you'll be pleased to hear I'm, I'm giving this morning. And I know you've got other series, other sessions as well. You had Godfrey speaking last week, and, and I know Jonathan is doing some things too. So there's much more to explore than we can today. But I just wanted to focus our thoughts on these two passages that were read out to you beforehand. Firstly, Psalm 113, an absolutely amazing psalm of praise to God, of this huge, majestic, exalted God, the Lord who is exalted over the heavens, over the nations, his glory above the heavens, who is like God, this psalm of absolute praise to our almighty God. And in the midst of that, what is the one characteristic of our God that this psalm chooses to focus on? Uh, amazingly, it comes down to this one thing, that God raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. Our God is a God who cares for people living in poverty. He is a God who cares for people who are living in the dust, who are buried in the ash heap. And we see this all the way through the scriptures, right from that basic understanding that all people are equal, all people have been created in God's image. Through the Old Testament, as we look at how the Old Testament laws were there to enable people to live well with each other and to stop a situation occurring where some people had lots and other people had little, through to the prophets where we get these strong words of denunciation against those who are living in wealth and luxury while others are struggling in poverty, through to our Lord Jesus responding to those who were on the margins and living with oppression through into the wider New Testament with Paul's words uh, around the, the famine in Jerusalem and his exhortation to the other churches to be generous in their giving and strong words in the book of James as well. One of the passages in James was my Bible reading this morning around those who live in luxury off the earth and are not taking care of other people. As followers of Jesus, we are called to spend ourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. And Responding to the needs of people living in poverty is a central part of what it means to be the people of God. We follow and worship a God of justice. And so as we see how the climate crisis is impacting people in general and in particular people living in poverty, we know that we cannot ignore the climate crisis, but we have to respond. And then the second passage that we had read out, again, those wonderful words of praise to our Lord Jesus, to the Son of God, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And these words tell us 
that in Jesus, all things were created. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, almost as if this world is like a present from the Father to the Son. I don't know what sort of theology you've been brought up with in your Christian faith. I, um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I wrote a book with the with and for the Archbishop of Canterbury a couple of years ago called Saying Yes to Life. And I rooted it in Genesis 1 and the creation narrative there and looked at how that creation narrative is responding to the Babylonian creation narrative that was well known. And in the Babylonian creation narrative, the world was created out of a vanquished evil goddess and her body is cut into three and out of the three parts of her body is made the, the sea and the land and the air. And so for the Babylonians, this world was something that was evil because it came from an evil goddess. This world is something that's not quite godly. It's tainted. It's something that you want to escape from as quickly as you can. I, I sometimes wonder if our Christian theology reflects more of Babylonian thinking than it does what we see in our scriptures, which tell us that God looked at all that he has made, at all that he had made, and said it's very good it's fantastic and Paul's words here in Colossians say not that this world is rubbish and it's something that God isn't interested in but this world was created through Jesus and for Jesus and so not only human beings the whole created order is inherently precious and valuable to our Lord Jesus the Lord of all creation so again, as we see the impact that our climate crisis is having, the absolute devastation that it is causing to the wider natural world, as people who follow the Lord of all creation, don't we then want to take care of and look after and value that which is so precious to our Lord Jesus? So, the climate crisis is something that it, it's not just a, a secular agenda, a, a bandwagon for us to jump onto. It comes right from the heart of our Christian faith as we worship a God of justice and the Lord of all creation. How then can we respond? I'm just going to finish very quickly, and I know there'll be more about this in weeks to come. But I think we respond by standing in the gap. We give, we act, and we pray. <coughs> we give. Uh, Paul and Jesus and elsewhere in the scriptures are absolutely clear. What we do with our money matters. Money speaks, doesn't it? Both the money that we keep and invest and the money that we give away. I really encourage you to think about, are you using your money well? Are you giving it? to organizations that are helping to take care of this world and people living in poverty? Are you investing your money in good places? We give, we act. We act both in our own lives through the different individual decisions that we make every day and some of the bigger decisions. And we act also through calling on our governments and businesses to be taking action. 
and putting into place policies and practices that work in favour of the natural world and in favour of people living in poverty. And um, there's so much that I could say about that. And I really encourage you to have a look at some of the books that I've written. Um, Planet Protectors will give you lots of ideas. And also L is for Lifestyle. And if you want to find out more about those, just you can go onto my website and you'll see the publications list. So there's lots more that I could speak into about that, about how we can take action in our own lives. But we give, we act, and fundamentally we pray. I absolutely believe that prayer changes situations and that prayer can make a difference. So if nothing else, I want to ask you to pray. Pray for this year, pray for the climate talks that are happening in Glasgow uh, in a very short time. Join in with the, the prayer movement that is taking place. If you go onto Tear Fund's website, and look at the drop down menu on the homepage, you will very quickly come across the climate resources and the prayer things that you can be involved with. So let's give, let's act and let's, and let's pray in response to the climate crisis that we are facing, not as a bandwagon that we are jumping onto, but coming absolutely centrally from our faith in a God of justice and the Lord of all creation. Let me pray for us together now as we close. Loving God, we approach these topics so humbly. As we sang earlier, we, we know that we have made a mess. We have not lived as you would want us to have lived. We have not taken care of your world and we have not acted for people living in poverty. God, we come to you with humble hearts, knowing that we have so much to learn and so much to do. But God, we come to you with hopeful hearts, knowing that we don't act on our own, but we act in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord God, I commit this morning to you. I commit this series to you. I commit St Paul's to you. Pray that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Give us the hope and the courage to make the changes that we need to. And, Lord, together, as we have prayed already, we pray for the climate talks coming up and for our world leaders that we would make the right decisions. Thank you that you love us and that you give us hope. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Ruth, thank you so very much. That worked absolutely brilliantly. So thank you as well, Lars. But thank you particularly for what you've shared with us. Um, it's normally our custom to sort of stand at the end of a sermon and be still for a minute, so I want to encourage you to do that. Let's stand, and we'll just take a minute in quiet before we sing our last song. And in the stillness, Lord Jesus, we pray if there's one particular thing you're wanting to say to us, of all the many things that have been said, or the scriptures, or the ideas, if there's something specific, would you put that clearly in our heads now? Remind us 
or whisper to us. Let's just keep a moment of stillness. And in the stillness, come Holy Spirit and continue to minister to us. And we pray for grace, Lord, to put into practice what you're saying in terms of our giving, in terms of our acting, in terms of our praying. And we pray to your blessing on Ruth and everyone at Tear Fund in all they are doing, both with the climate action and the direct care for those in poverty who are most affected by it. Would you bless that ministry and provide for it? And as we sing now about joining in with the worship of creation, we pray that the worship we bring to you would not only be these words we're going to sing, but would be the worship of our lives lived out. So continue to pour your spirit down as we sing. And we offer our worship to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.